Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at UH1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well. HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello, I'm Matthew Appleby, Horticulture Week editor, and this is the Horticulture Week podcast. And today I'm with Marion Regan of strawberry grower Hulow Farms. Marion is the daughter of the late Hulow and owns the Kent grower with her husband, John Regan. The grower is the sole supplier of strawberries to the British Tennis Tournament at Wimbledon, which is happening this month. Now, in 2020, Wimbledon was called off because of the COVID-19 pandemic. But this year, it's all back on and one million berries could be served up at the tournament. But first of all, Marion, you've been running the business for 25 years this year. Is that is that right? Oh, good morning, Matthew. Well, yes, you're the first person to point that out. So I guess I ought to have at the very least a, a cake or something. But yes, I mean, I was obviously I grew up on the farm. So I've been involved with the business for longer than that. But I but I have been um, running it for that length of time, yes. Brilliant time to celebrate. But um, in back in 2020, there was no Wimbledon, um, sadly, because of the pandemic. Um, so were you able to find other outlets for the strawberries you usually send to Wimbledon? Well, you know, the All England um, Club are, are a fantastic event to supply and, and a terrific customer. And they, of course, kept in close touch with us all throughout. Um, and... Um, because of the way the season fell last year, we were able to pretty much sell what we'd earmarked for the tournament to other outlets. But we also um, were able to support them in uh, distributing uh, parcels to um, the local charities. They did a work with City Harvest. Um, and also they diverted some of our strawberries into making jam and also a collaboration with Sip Smith Gin and they've made a fantastic uh, strawberry smash gin um, which I think they're going to keep making actually because I think it's proved to be quite a hit. Brilliant okay well I'm glad I'm glad they found homes but how, how important is we talk a lot about Wimbledon and tennis and you but how important is Wimbledon to you? 
Well, to, to, to me personally, it's, um, it, it's a very special because uh, not just that I love tennis, but also it's been such an iconic event my whole strawberry growing life. Um, I think any strawberry grower would um, credit uh, the the Wimbledon Championships with um, just putting our product in, in the public's eye uh, at a critical time of year. Um, and uh, of course, it's quite historical, the connection, um, the traditional peak of the English strawberry season uh, used to be when uh, Wimbledon was on. And so people tend to associate strawberries with high summer. Um, of course, now we're producing strawberries all summer long, in fact, much longer than that. Um, on this farm, we're growing from April through to November. Um, and in fact, uh, the first two weeks of July are not necessarily the, the only peak of the strawberry season. But nevertheless, having that association with the tournament is just terrific for our business. Um, it, it gets everybody together. Everyone from all over the world has heard of Wimbledon. So if you're on the crew picking fruit for the championships, then you're most likely to feel a personal connection um, as well as a professional. So I, I think it's a, a great it's a great boost for all of us here. Brilliant. Now, what, what's the plan for supplying 2021's Wimbledon tournament? Well, they, they're going to have a more limited event necessarily, but they're going ahead. Um, and of course, it means that there will be fantastic quality tennis also on the telly. So um, I think um, last year, people got used to sort of some celebrations at home allied with big events. I mean, that's what's happening with the Euros now, isn't it? So um I think uh, as a as growers of soft fruit, I think we're hoping that people will uh, also um, have their recreate their Wimbledon strawberry tea in their own gardens and watching the the tennis, even if they're not able to actually go along. I I guess there won't be the huge crowds and the uh, the the queues to get into the tournament. There won't be the crowds on the Murray Mound. Um, but, uh, you know, there, w- there will probably still be people participating, but more remotely at home. And uh, as we're all used to doing now, that's probably not going to go away. No, indeed. So what sort of uplift in sales do you usually expect to see? Well, it, it, it's hard to actually quantify that because it's such a long association uh, for so many years there's always been this expectation that in the Wimbledon fortnight, there will be lots of strawberries um, on sale. Um, And I think our our other retail customers um, sort of time things to go with that. And and, uh, so it's actually hard to say uh, year on year what the um, uplift in sales is. Um, I I wouldn't want to be pressed on quantifying it other than to say it's, Pretty much when you go to the supermarkets in the month of June, uh, a, a large number of the people ahead of you in the queue will have a punnet or two of strawberries in their shopping. No, brilliant. No, it's certainly the time of the year for it. Now, last year um, and in previous years, but particularly um, post-Brexit now, Labour has been a massive issue for 
fresh produce growers, everybody in the industry, really. How have you found sourcing labour last year and, and now this year? Yes, well, so far this year, we're, we're okay. We, we have um, a large number of people who applied to the settled status scheme who've come back to us um, uh, and obviously through quarantining and so on have managed to um, uh, meet all of the requirements. So, so we're, we're okay so far, but we're picking up signs. Um, there are a, a slightly lower rate of people coming back um, either due to COVID or be, perhaps because of the squeeze in labour availability generally. There are other roles in the economy that people with settled status can take. Um, we're also finding that um, just at this particular moment, there seems to be a little bit of bureaucratic hold up in people transiting through other European Union countries to get here due to COVID uh, colour coding of countries. Uh, that's causing um, an issue uh, which might just be for some people the straw that breaks the camel's back if you're expecting a certain number of people you might have to factor in that some will not actually be able to get here um, and then of course um, UK uh, resident workers are pretty thin on the ground um, and uh, that's not for want of trying to recruit them so I think we my answer is it's really tight. Uh, we're okay. Um, but um, I think we're seeing uh, very much the need for the seasonal workers program, which we're participating in and um, possibly alleviation in other sectors of the economy so that that could um, mean that some of our settled status workers will be more inclined to come back to us rather than go and work in other sectors. Oh, I see. So how, how did the UK worker um, recruitment go last year? Did you manage to get many? Actually, we did have quite a, a, a nice uh, two or three teams of, of um, UK resident workers. We generally found that, you know, there's a reason why people don't necessarily want to take fruit picking work. And it's because it starts at five in the morning or 5.30 in the morning it's long hours. You need to be really staying on the farm to make it work for you. And it's actually quite a long commitment. Our season is very long. Um, so I can understand why uh, there was a bit of a mismatch between how it was portrayed in the media as a sort of darling buds of May, lovely bucolic treat, um, um, help out the farmers and the reality, which is um, hard work, remunerative but hard work, which you have to commit to um, over quite a long period of time. Um, so we found that actually it was better to recruit people for perhaps other roles on the farm, uh, non-harvest roles, where they could start a little bit later in the day and be supervised perhaps in a different way. Um, we, we tried to be flexible and that's what we're trying to do this year as well. Great. Now on, on to another issue. I, I talked to um, Signify about LED lighting for strawberries year-round production recently for a whole week podcast. What's your views on on that area? Well, we 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 do have um, uh, glass houses, and so um, we do do long season production. Um, we have been actively looking at um, a lit crop, uh, and we'll be trialling that next year. 
um, we've taken some great advice from people who've been able to model out what might be the best um, use of energy. And it's all tied in really with um, uh, our, our approach to uh, energy and um, you know, we are on a path to net zero carbon emissions um, and we need to switch more to uh, renewable sources of energy and increase our productivity. At the moment, um, it's physically possible to produce some lovely soft fruit crops under, um, under LED lights. It's not financially possible for us yet, but um, we're very interested in growing over a much longer season. So we are actively looking at it. How do you make it financially possible? What do you need to change? Well, I think I think we'll see um, uh, quite a change in the cost uh, and the incentives in uh, switching to different sources of energy. I think that we will see advances in LED technology, which should bring the price down um, and maybe the energy use down. So um, that's really what we're looking at. We're also looking at uh, photovoltaics, um, agrivoltaics. So this is uh, looking at, I mean, this is a bit um, uh, novel, but looking at um, using uh, uh, solar panels that are actually transmissible to light so that you can grow crops um, underneath those. So that's a project that we're actively doing as well. But that's probably one for another podcast, Matthew. Excellent. Well, that's one for the future indeed. But it's all for the future, isn't it? And yes. this net zero carbon neutrality is, is so much on the agenda, you know, with the G7 summit and all that type of thing. So what else are you doing around that, that area? What else can you do? Well, do you know, you're, you're absolutely right. You could spend your whole day going down rabbit holes on this. And I think farmers and, and growers are actually um, in a bit of a bind um, and quite uh, confused about which is the best um, uh, route to take on this. My view is that um, uh, at the growers and farmers are actually the originators of the reduced emissions um, and that we are the, um, the people that need to actually uh, use a, a, a really engage in getting reduced emissions into the supply chain. I think at the moment, there's rather a lot of box ticking um, and proxy tools being used to um, basically instruct us as to what we should be doing without really giving us the um, the information about what we can do on our own holdings. So we've decided to look at a real bottom-up approach and to get data from our own farm um, and uh, establish where we are to start with and then to get a, a, a route map to net zero from there. Um, and that involves um, a, a real focus on energy efficiency, switch to renewables, but also critically a big focus on productivity um, so getting more out of every input that we are putting in. Um, and, um, and of course, as we also have quite a lot of arable land, um, only a, a third of the farm is producing soft fruit. Um, just shy of another third is uh, dedicated to wildlife. And then we have arable crops as well. So we have some uh, opportunities for carbon sequestration on our own land. And so we're looking at that as well. 
Oh, that's good news. So what, what about government support or even advice? What could they do to help? Well, I think that that's, that's very much um, the, the route everyone's looking at. And I think government support is important. I think they need to give policy direction. Um, and uh, the new farm support schemes will probably uh, be very much focused on this. I'm more interested in how to actively engage uh, ourselves in reducing our own emissions, actually looking at our own data instead of being told what we should be doing and being told what we have actually achieved. Um, I, I would like to um, actively control uh, what we're doing on net zero and then to um, uh, present that to the rest of the supply chains that we're in. Um, government, I think, can support research in this area and need to put a flaw in the um, support mechanism for uh, carbon friendly farming and nature friendly farming. Uh, but there's so much more that individual farms can do. Farmers are entrepreneurs, growers are entrepreneurs. And if we can, um, you know, squeeze an extra bit of productivity out, um, meet some uh, fairly hefty carbon targets and are incentivized to do it, then we will bend our minds to doing that. Excellent. Now, talking policy, uh, the AHDB, the levy board, um, is going. Um, so what do you see as the future for R&D? How would you like that to, to carry on? Is, is there anything you want to to continue there or or do you think, you know, it's, it's good, it's gone or, or, or what? Well, gosh, I've, I've, I've been involved with the AHDB um, on and off for many years um, and I was extremely concerned in the way it was heading um, and uh, not at all surprised at the result of the ballot. Uh, I still think that uh, there is some essential and good work that is done pre-competitively for our sector, um, and I would not want that to be lost. I'm thinking particularly uh, pest and disease um, research, um, the need to get emergency approvals, uh, the, the tackling of alien pests, but also some... Um, pre-breeding and varietal development work. I, I believe that um, growers should have access to the, their means of production and the means of production are good varieties. So I would want to see that continue to be supported, even though I'm also actively involved in private breeding programs as well. Um, so, so I do think that uh, it's a shame that the ballot went that way. I think there will need to be um, uh, a research uh, effort that replaces it. I would like to see um, the recommendations of the uh, Better Levy Group looked at in detail by uh, ministers, and I understand that is what's happening. Talking of varieties, um, are you trialling any with strawberries or other crops at the moment? Oh gosh, we've got we've got um, lots of um, lots of things in trial. Um, we've had a trial site for gosh decades, and um, it's it's been extremely useful. It means that we can look um, at new varieties, sometimes still in the pre-release stage, um, and see how they work under our systems and put them through our Packhouse QC um, uh, rigors. 
um, and really get an idea about uh, what we should be um, alerting our customers uh, to. So um, we've got some really interesting ones this year. This, uh, as, as you may know, we grow um, quite a lot of varieties from the Driscoll's programme because we market through Berry Gardens. Uh, and have the exclusive right to grow those varieties. And there's some interesting ones coming through there. There's a new uh, premium raspberry called uh, Sophie, which we're uh, very pleased with. And um, we've also got some new um, strawberry varieties that we're looking at. Um, the Morling, East Morling Breeding Programme has got um, a, a new release called Morling Ace, which is very appropriate given that it's tennis month. Um, and that is also looking promising. Um, so those are perhaps the, the, oh, and there's also an early June bearer called Morling Vitality, which was useful this year because we've had such an appalling late season. So tennis ace. <laughs> so uh, hopefully you'll be going to the tennis and it'll all be going ahead in as, in as good a way as possible. Are you, are you, are you going to go, do you think? Well, I've, if I if I manage to um, uh, leave behind the the uh, frenetic activity here, I mean the the main thing about growing strawberries in June and 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 early July is actually it it can be quite a tricky period to produce strawberries. Funnily enough, oh, yeah. the sort of great unsaid story um, is that actually it's extremely difficult to produce reliably strawberries when people think there should be a glut. Everyone always assumes there'll be a glut around Wimbledon. Um, and actually, there isn't. <laughs> 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 there might be this year, but um, last year was very difficult. So so it's not very cost effective producing early uh, early season strawberries anymore because of the costs of labour and so on. Mm -hmm. A lot of people now grow everbearer strawberries, which tend to peak later in the season. Um, but I think this year, because it's such a late uh, spring, that actually there will be plenty of uh, strawberries through the month of June and into July. And so it will be quite busy here. But I would love to get away and go to the tennis um, if we're allowed to under COVID restrictions and so on. And finally... What plant would you take to a desert island? Oh, goodness. What plant would I take to a desert island? Um, this is going to be a very boring uh, answer, but I uh, will take a coconut palm because it's a desert island. Um, the coconut is a wonderful fruit which can provide water and um, uh, coconut, the flesh of the coconut. Plus, I'd be able to use the coir from the surround of the coconut which I can probably grow stuff in and germinate seeds and so on. So I think I'd better take a coconut palm. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much to Marion Regan from Hewlow Farms. And I've been Matthew Appleby for the Horticulture Week podcast. Make sure you never miss one. Subscribe to or follow Horticulture Week podcasts via Apple iTunes, Spotify or Google Podcasts or your preferred podcast platform. So thanks very much. Until next time. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.